Hey, I'm Laurie. Hey, I'm Phil. Welcome to episode five of Laurie and Phil, Flicks and Film. Every time I say this, Phil, it doesn't, it rolls off the tongue less well. <laughs> it's got too many, it's got too many L's in it. Laurie, Flicks Phil, Flicks, But you know, it still scans. We're going to cover off some Netflix this week. Last week was a kind of, we went really off piste. It was all technology and video gamey, Phil. <laughs> I remember we talked about whether or not Stadia was going to be economically viable or something like that. I can't quite remember, but something like that. This week we are back to basics and I have got two Netflix shows uh, to discuss that I'm, my wife and I recently finished. That's Altered Carbon, seasons one and two, as well as Away, starring Hilary Swank, a space adventure mm, space drama I don't know what to call it <laughs> we'll come to it in a minute and Phil what you got for us so uh, this week I'm going to be talking about Wonder Woman 84 1984 uh, the thing which you can rent now a big blockbuster film that you can get at your TV screens right now if you want to pay I think it's 16 pounds and uh, also I'm going to be talking it's about a lot of money it is a lot of money and I'll come on to that later uh, and then also going to be talking <laughs> about lockdown haircuts oh are you really I've done this Have you, do you oh well, let's talk about that in a minute shall we and we'd love to hear from you as well get in touch with your thoughts and opinions on anything that we cover uh, that's flicksandfilm at gmail.com or at flicksandfilm on twitter and we'll start doing kind of email and tweety sections quite soon on the show as well where we read out what you've said and either really disagree with you <laughs> or, or sort of say yes yes well done thanks very much uh, maybe we should do that point system that we used to have. Do you remember that? I don't remember. Explain it to me again. It was plus one or minus one. Oh, yeah. Because whenever someone agreed with us, they gave us a plus one. <laughs> and when they disagreed with us, it was a minus one. And then we totaled up the plus and minuses over the, the season to see who wins. I think I ended up getting like pity points and one in the end just because of my poor, pure patheticness. Sounds about right to me. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's get started with some of that patheticness. Here's the show. Okay, it's the big marquee thing, Phil. I think we have to talk about Wonder Woman 1984. I've not seen this, and I think we're going to talk about why not almost immediately. It's £16. I don't want to spend that. It's going to be free on Netflix eventually, right? But if you work it out, you know, on average, each household's probably got more than one person watching it. You rent it as the afternoon or evening movie, and that's kind of eight quid a ticket. That's still cheaper than going to the cinema, and you can watch it in your PJs. Well, the thing is, I'm not, I'm not against all the advantages of this. I just... I don't know. I no one's got any money. <laughs> it's a pandemic. <laughs> I don't have any money. You don't have any money. How can you? How can you really justify spending it on on this? I mean, I mean, I don't know how you felt, Phil. I really liked the first Wonder Woman, but maybe it's because I'm missing the movie halls and the, all the trailers and everything else. But I don't think there's been that much anticipation about this, has there? I think there was back in the day. I think the idea of Wonder Woman in the '80s—that's kind of fun. Oh, the '80s, really vibrant. Uh, big shoulder pads, big hair cool fashion and kind of a, a, a nostalgic time period to go back into and then putting wonder woman that really fun thing from world war one that was really exciting fish out of world water one is is really fun i i mean i agree that <laughs> out of context that could sound really when i think of world war one great fun <laughs> yeah, well there was the, the no man's land thing that i wasn't so keen on actually but um, people loved that scene didn't they they loved the they love wonder woman <laughs> coming out and being inspiring and being the big difference that made them charge over the top and, uh, and no, I didn't love that. I did love everything else. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, yet, I was on. I was genuinely quite surprised by one woman, the first one, because it seemed quite earnest and sincere, and um, genuinely going against that whole dark and gritty thing that DC films had been going with with Superman, Man of Steel. This seemed quite fresh and light, and it was all about hope and love, kind of the things you associate with superheroes. And then we come to this one with lots more expectation. Wonder Woman, the first one, did much better than they anticipated. I think it even did better than the Justice League, the big sort of superhero mashup. Uh, Wonder Woman was the kind of tentpole one that had surprised people and done a big business. 
And so I think there was quite a lot of expectation for Wonder Woman 84. Patty Jenkins returns. She was the director of the first one, but this time she is the writer and the director. And so it is very much her baby. She's been given sort of free reign to do as she pleases. And man, does she choose some interesting choices. My life hasn't been what you probably think it has. We all have our struggles. Have you ever been in love? A long, long time ago. You? So many times. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> Think about finally having everything you always wanted. I can save today. But you can save the world. Steve. Nothing good is born from lies. And greatness is not what you think. I'm put, sort of putting a post-it note in the air here, Phil, because I want to talk about Patty Jenkins because I'm on IMDb now uh, looking at her roster. She's an interesting figure, um, but she has got a couple of things in the pipeline that uh, trouble me, <laughs> I think. Can I put it like that? How Do you so? want to talk yeah. about that now or later? Tell, tell me, tell me, tell me. Well, number one is Wonder Woman 3, which has already been announced. So obviously the studios, well, I mean, as we know, you can announce something and then de-announce it. That's, you know... But I think they, they like Patty Jenkins for Wonder Woman and they like Wonder Woman for audiences. So it looks like they've already greenlit the third in the series. I'm curious to know whether you think that's right or not, based on your reaction to uh-huh. it. More troubling than that, though, Rogue Squadron, Star Wars Rogue Squadron. Patty Jenkins is in I've not even heard that a Rogue Squadron movie was in the works. And, I'm, you know, people of a certain age and vintage like me We'll be thinking, the N64 game, are they going after the N64 game? Or are they going after the series of books Michael Stackpole wrote um, with what's-his-name? Uh, would you remember the guy, Corrin Hall? Lauren's confe- worst, um, Laurie, you're confessing very Mary clearly Sue that you're a nerd. You're a nerd right now. I'm fine with that. Everyone else is fine with that. <laughs> I'm a nerd too. But I just, maybe anything with a rogue, with rogue in it after Rogue One, <laughs> it's sort of troubling me. I'm not ready for Star Wars to go weird again. I... I enjoyed The Mandalorian. I want it to be quiet and TV. Anyway, look, this is wandering off point. I told you. But I think it's interesting. I think she's got this sort of clout about her that means she's able to be entrusted with these big, big franchises like Star Wars, like the new sort of spin-off of a Star Wars wow. film. And it's not actually Patty Jenkins involvement in it that troubles me. I should just say it's the fact that it's there at all. But yes, keep going. But <laughs> I think woman, I yes. think you should be a little bit worried because while I think I, as I said already, Wonder Woman number one was very good. I enjoyed it. it. Had good fun. It had good energy. I liked the performance. I liked the kind of optimism of it all. And yet in Wonder Woman eighty four, what we have is a kind of weird, bizarre, bloated mess. It's two and a half hours long. And you're thinking, why? What has justified this what? Really? excessive runtime? Yeah, exactly. It's a good job you're at home because you're going to have to go to the toilet guaranteed during the film. And at least you can pause it now. I just, films are over, two and a half hour films, That those times are over. I think the only films I'll accept lasting that long are things like Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. And no one's really making that anymore. Go back to an hour and a half, man. I, I, I think two and a, two hours, just under one hour 50 is your sort of golden time. That's, that's plenty of time to tell a film story, I would say. But this film is even more confusing because uh, what we have is uh, Wonder Woman. We go back to the Isle of Miscara, Iscara, some fancy old made up place. And it's uh, Wonder Woman as a little girl doing her competition with the other sort of Amazonian women's as they do a sort of competition trial. And this sequence, it's the opening of the movie. It's a good half an hour. 
And I have no what? idea why it's there. I have no idea why it's there because she's running around. Oh, she's doing no. this sort of action competition. She's a tiny little girl competing against these huge, uh, strong women, firing arrows and riding horseback and jumping over these sort of parkour kind of wipeout type obstacles. And it kind of just ends. <laughs> and I do not know why it's there. Because- Is it uh, A Knight's Tale? You know, that's the one that really this makes me think of, uh, a moment of bravery or something like that. Oh, you mean the first night, the gauntlet? No, did I, what did I say? I mean, first night, yeah, the wonderful It's, it's not quite that sort of level of uh, silliness, but it almost is. Oh. And it sort of seems to be that there's this weird moral at the end of it from um, Robin Wright's character, who's doing a very sort of bizarre sort of otherworldly accent saying you mustn't cheat or don't don't take a shortcut you're not allowed to take a shortcut and that's it that it's never referred to again it's not like there's a catchphrase which comes up again and later on in the movie it just sort of is there and it's such a bloated over-the-top opening to the movie and from there you're kind of thinking what is this film and it doesn't get much better than that no, that's we cut forward to the 80s finally and it's this uh, some robbers robbing a mall. And so you finally get some of that 80s jazz that you, you're expecting. This sort of big shoulder pads, these uh, these villains with their, their suit sleeves rolled up. Like, uh, like you know, Ross and Chandler when they come out with the, the flock of seagulls haircut in that. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. yeah, they're sort of dressed like that. And Wonder Woman steps in and it's all quite campy, a bit like sort of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. And that sort of period of the movie, I was thinking, oh, OK, maybe this is going to be fun. Maybe this is going to be sort of silly, but nice. But after that sort of sequence, after this bloated opening in Mesquira or whatever the name of that island is, and then this mall sequence where Wonder Woman's doing a bit of hero saving-ness, you then have a huge, huge gap of about an hour where she's not even Wonder Woman. She doesn't put on the suit or do any anything heroic for about an hour for no reason. That's it's not odd. like a plot reason, like she's throwing off her, her, her costume and saying, I'm done with that life. She just doesn't do it. And you can only think... This must be because the studios just said, here's all the money. You made money for us before. You're going to make money for us again. Off you go, Patty Jenkins. Try and make something good. It is just a bloated mess. And I think the main reason that she's been praised is because she built up this sort of superhuman female lead, which lots of people were calling for. And this time, it just seems a bit thin. There's nothing really there. There's nothing to Wonder Woman as a character. They try and bring in this love interest. This is where Chris Pine returns from the previous film, Magically. And it just doesn't give anything. Because the thing is, I'm curious to know, you know, you mentioned about the 80s and we're glad to do it. But whenever it comes in so late into the film, you're already disconnected. So you're not ready to have a lighthearted opening. It would probably be better to start with the premise, Wonder Woman 84. Why don't you start in the 80s? And then do the other thing, maybe in a flashback or telling a story. But I almost think as well, man, I think the 80s is played out now. I think What I have always found a bit weird is that, and I include myself in this, right? There's a lot of people with fake nostalgia for the 80s. So you say that about friends, like you look at a Flock of Seagulls hair. I, I didn't know who Flock of Seagulls were. I still don't really know who they are, but I know how to go. <laughs> That's so funny when I see Chandler turn up with his hair like that, right? And it, And it's the same thing with Stranger Things. There's a lot of young people for have some sort of weird yearning for the 80s, like this mystical time that it's hard to believe really existed, but they don't actually live there. So it's just kind of all fantastical and rubbish. And for me, it started to be over after I saw Bumblebee, which I don't think you you saw. I have you? seen I it since. It I remember you reviewed it okay. on our last podcast. And uh... and it's fine. It's fine. But all the joy is in, oh, look at that. It's tape player. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> like, uh, isn't it over now? Because what else can they really do with it other than make it a bit fish out of water? And how colourful everything is. But that's kind of the uh, confusing thing, which is that it's it's there, but it's very, very much in the background. 
and it doesn't really contribute to the the vibe of it at all. I probably should give some sort of summary of actually what the story revolves around and uh, maybe talk a, couple, a bit about some of the performances because what this film is centered on is the big MacGuffin is there's this wishing stone which uh, if you if you touch it then you can say what your heart desires what does your heart want and you get that heart's desire but you give up something. That's kind of the main MacGuffin thing. And then Pedro Pascal pops up as this sort of Donald Trump-esque uh, slimy businessman who makes himself the the wishing stone. He wishes that he could be the stone. Oh, really? Well, I think this is the problem, is that if that's the heart of the movie, it kind of feels like, let's spend, let's let's take this really escapist movie where you, there's superheroes who, who know what's right and wrong, and let's just put more of the real world into it. And I think that's why I was massively turned off to this film. I found it... Um, that's a shame. very tone deaf very bloated and a bit sort of shallow in actually what it was dealing with i think wonder woman um gal Gadot does a fine job performing her as she kind of did in the last film but her character yeah, but can is... you stomach watching her after she sung imagine no, that, that video at the start of coronavirus that was particularly Did that ruin bad it all? yes a little bit yes it was i mean there's nothing to her character which maybe means that she's the perfect person to play him uh play her if that's the case oh, but um <laughs> you've also got Kristen wig in there so you've got pedro pascal you've got uh gal Gadot returning you've got chris pine as um uh, i think his name's scott trevor or trevor scott or something like that um mm, trevor price <laughs> some <laughs> some generic trevor. male lead um trevor. <laughs> trevor yeah and then you've got Kristen wig as uh, barbara playing chitara or something like that and she's this character that really is a bit nerdy she's got the big 80s hair she's very very jealous of um gal gadot's character wonder woman and wants to be like her and this leads her down a very dark path of wishing away her humanity and becoming the villain and it, it it all just kind of falls apart. There's nothing really that actually it's quite hard almost to talk about because it just seems so disjointed, so tenuous, the links between all these characters and what they're actually wanting to do. And it comes down to basically a boring mess. That's what I describe it as. Uh, oh, that's sad. I am sad about it because I think, why would you not want to have one woman be a fantastic superhero who is exactly what you want at the moment with brightness and cheer? And it just seems a bit of a Patty Jenkins didn't really spend the time thinking through her product to make it a good, tight story. Here's what I say in in her defense, especially, is that is part of the problem Wonder Woman, because the thing is, you said she was a mold breaker, right? And everyone was crying out for a success, especially as a a female superhero lead. And Wonder Woman gave us that. But now that's gone because it already exists. So it's a second outing for Wonder Woman. And is it the case that just having her do a normal superhero film like Spider-Man or whatever isn't enough now, actually. She's constantly having to kind of, I don't know, land the emotional beats or land the fish out of water beats. Where do you go with that character is my basic point. Is it enough to just have Wonder Woman in the centre doing normal superhero movie stuff? It, I, I would say it seems like there isn't enough to her. There isn't enough that actually is relevant. And you don't actually anchor her in anything which is real. You can't connect to her as a character because who can connect to this sort of god goddess character? Well, right, exactly. So that seems to me like the writers don't have enough confidence in the hero that they've created to just tell a story with her as the main character. Instead, it's got to be, how about the 80s? How about Trump? Do you know what I mean? Uh, linking back to her past again is all these things. Maybe that's why it felt like a mess is because they kept on trying to land the thing that would make this as special as the first but it's too late, actually. Mm. And, didn't they, and they brought him back, Trevor. Right? I thought he went. I thought that was the whole point. Well, there's been a big controversy because she uses the wishing stone and wishes to her heart's desire to see 
her her beau, her love from the previous film who didn't make it through to the end credits. And he returns, but in a really weird way, he's he's sort of um what was the name of that film where the quantum leap where he inhabits different people's oh, bodies? Yeah. It's a quantum leap type thing where he's inhabiting somebody else's body, but you as the viewer just see Chris Pine acting. I would say he's the yeah, sort of yeah. shining light. But if you're gonna do wishes, why not just wish for the guy to just be there as the as the person? Instead he's sort of weirdly uh, I know you weren't you weren't paying attention to it earlier on when Robert Williams explained that you can't bring people back from the dead. No, she doesn't. And you also can't make people fall in love. That I'm talking about. I'm making a joke as if we're talking about Aladdin. Did you not, <laughs> did you not pick that up? <laughs> wow, you, you, you it did it in a such a convincing way. Thanks very much. Anyway, I think the movie is a mess, and I feel like my review's been a mess because there's so many <laughs> there's so many crazy things that happen. In it. There's a bit where they go to Egypt for some reason um, in an right. invisible jet. And you're just kind of like, okay, that happened. And then they go back and there's there's a bit where this woman can't walk in heels and that's a major plot point. It seems to be the reason. What? Yeah, she, she's bad at walking in heels and then she becomes good at it. That's Kristen Wiig's character. And that's sort of evidence of her maturing and becoming more of a glamour. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a weird Did sort they get of mess. that from Sex and the City? I don't know. What? It's such a mess. And so I'm curious if anyone else watched it, what on earth did they make it? Is there anyone out there who actually enjoyed this film and thought this is brilliant superhero stuff i admit to you phil i'm not entirely surprised for the reason i mentioned which is there's a there's a big sort of where do you go from here element to it and perhaps you're right like hollywood's so delighted with patty jenkins's success they maybe weren't as harsh on the edit sort of restrictions as they should have been it's interesting i was looking up the editor um for the film and imdb says it's richard pearson and i guess you know all the problems you're describing should really be caught in editing right they should give climaxes to scenes and they should cut out content that really doesn't deserve to be there you know just watch lord of the rings there's so much content that was cut out by the team quite Mm. rightly i think like i personally prefer to watch the non-extended versions because i just think the films run better and it's a hard business but you've got to have stuff taken out if it doesn't work and i'm looking at his credits and uh this guy, he directed the, he edited the Quantum of Solace, <laughs> the worst new Bond film. Ooh, Men in Black and that was, 2, that was... <laughs> uh, Kong Skull Island, which was an editing issue. I think I remember talking about that. Like I enjoyed the opening and stuff, but it just was really disjointed. And there was a death in there. Toby Kebbell, I think. Good old Paul Toby Kebbell, um, who just, it was a weird death. Maybe it's the editing. Maybe it's this guy's fault. Maybe it's Pearson. That's really surprising because Quantum of Solace was like, overly edited and this was completely under edited and um, you've got to tell us listeners what you think about it is phil right is this a jumbled mess that didn't land any of its attempted goals were you bewildered and confused by the half hour opening sequence that was the worst bit of the first film as well but spending a whole half hour there is a bad idea uh let us know flicks and film at gmail.com at flicks and film on twitter and uh Oh, I'm trying to make a joke here, but it's going to be too glib. I was going to say, Gal Gadot, if you're listening, don't worry. Just imagine all the people <laughs> laughing at your film. No, it's not worth it. <laughs> I thought it was. Phil, can I just cut in with a bit we didn't plan? Because, you know, I, I got derailed completely from that Wonder Woman review when I saw that Patty Jenkins was going to do Rogue Squadron. And then I clicked on IMDb and it's saying, more like this. Here are some announced Star Wars films that you might not have heard of. Number one, Star Wars, a droid story. Sound good to you? Number two, Star Wars, visions. (laughs) Number three, Lando, Star Wars. That one sounds good. Uh, Next one, (laughs) The Acolyte, Star Wars, The Acolyte. 
um untitled star wars slash exegol exegol project is that where um what was that from the sequel that's the sith the evil planet yeah, there you go. so the there's an exegol planet. project rangers of the new republic how's that sound oh. to you <laughs> star wars the bad batch <laughs> Oh, uh, the Bad Batch. Now that is, I know what that's reference to. That's uh, oh, really? reference to a Clone Wars thing. The idea okay. of Bad Batch of clones. So I think that some of these might be, maybe they're not as bad. As, I mean, the one which is the the acolyte or whatever. That's like your teenage sort of cool idea yeah. of what's what's. Oh, acolyte sounds cool. Let's go with that. I mean, you could probably guess what it's going to be. I'm thinking, like, is it a Sith apprentice? Who's sort of being trained in a secret society, but begins to question everything around. And don't worry, Laurie, he's definitely the most powerful thing in the world. In the universe. Over Um, (laughs) 9,000. Exactly. Star Wars Ahsoka. I I didn't think she was the best part of The Mandalorian. Um, That's, uh, who was it played by? Rosario Uh, Dawson. Yes, that's right. Fine, but I didn't watch the series. And then Dissidents, a Star Wars story. Is that another Clone Wars thing? (laughs) I don't know. It just sounds like a good, impressive word, like... uh, Inviction or something like that. I I'm worried about all of these things. I thought Star Wars was on the right path, the the light side again. But I think <laughs> it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> it's going to be a disaster. Maybe we just need to stop caring about it. I think that kind of is the attitude I have a bit at the moment now, which is like I'll enjoy it while I can, but um, I'm not going to stress about it. I sort of feel like um, you know, there's a great Bill Burr bit where he talks about uh, curling and. Um, and that moment when you just sort of let let go of the the curling iron and just watch it drift off, and you just sort of it carries on, and yeah. you just let let go, and you're fine with I'll it. Leave you just it let go. to smash into things and <laughs> destroy. <laughs> the thing is, I think it makes me wonder why bother announcing anything at all. But I suppose they do it so, so it doesn't get leaked by someone, right? No, but what you're Phil just did the money symbol there. But how are they going to earn money? All they're doing is making me say, "What's this? Like that? How's that valuable? They've got nothing other than like this." Really unimaginative, like logos. You need to go online and look at them, and they're all disjointed as well. The brand manager is really not doing their job. It's all it's all terrible. No, okay, sorry, I just had to say that. Listeners, tell me, are you as nervous about this as me? Let's talk about altered carbon. Uh, Phil, did you see this when it came out? It was two thousand eighteen? Was the original? I think I watched the very first episode because I thought, oh, maybe this is something that I'd be interested in. As I understand it. It's in the future and uh, you can basically put yourself in another body or a new body or something like that. You well, can no, alter it's, your it's carbon. an interesting idea. Well, first thing I want to say is it's based on a, a series of novels um, by Richard K. Morgan. Don't know much about him, but apparently it's a good sort of pulpy, cyberpunky uh, planet and ideas. Interestingly, you, it's hard to find that if you go on anywhere that just talks about the TV series, disappointingly. Um, but the idea is that your consciousness has been digitized, right? So it goes into these things called stacks, which just look like little memory cards. Um, and they have effectively dissociated the mind or the soul or the spirit or whatever you want to call it from the body, which means that the body is now just called a sleeve. So it's like you put on clothes, your consciousness just wears a body and goes about its business. And if you're rich enough, you can get new sleeves over and over again so that you can kind of live forever because your mm-hmm. consciousness obviously doesn't age. Uh, but if you're not rich enough, then I guess you go on ice, they call it. So rather than people actually dying, once your body has aged and died, the consciousness goes on ice and just kind of gets stored away. And I suppose um, family members can pay to re-sleeve you or whatever you want to call it. Um, and then you have this idea that there are these the, the wealthiest people in the universe can therefore live forever and maintain their position of wealth because they are wealthy enough not only to buy new bodies every time they need one, whether they get killed or whether they age and die, but also to have copies of their own consciousness stored. So even if 
this consciousness sort of hard drive gets destroyed, they can just be sort of re-uploaded like Time Machine on a on an Apple computer. Um, is it, does that interest you, that concept or not? I think it's ripe for sci-fi world building and interesting stories. Very Philip K. Dick, isn't it? And That and kind of thing, yeah. That, that's classic sort of money-making, good storytelling stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think you can already see, given um, a very famous philosophical concept, you know, the idea of whether the body is a sort of disposable thing and the consciousness lives forever, because if it is a disposable thing, then whatever you do in the body doesn't really matter anymore. So you would imagine all the vices of mankind to just skyrocket. So death and all sorts of things, are just very commonplace and awful things being done, because you can just get another body. It doesn't really matter uh, in the long run. Similarly, it also makes death a sort of even worse thing because it's such a rare thing to happen now that someone would actually be dead forever. And you have this idea that, well, if your consciousness can just go onto ice and be stored indefinitely, then why would anyone ever actually die? And I think it is quite an interesting device, although actually it just ends up in the same place as reality, (laughs) basically, because there's still death, isn't there? It's just, they call it real death now. It's like, well, you could just call it death. Ultra death. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's kind of, it's... um. As I often feel with sci-fi, there's a certain shallowness that I think people aren't really willing to confront that can't actually escape the bounds of uh, real human existence. But that is by the biofilm. Let's talk about the TV adaptation. I was drawn to it because I thought it looked massively big budget for Netflix. Who doesn't love a kind of sci-fi neon infused uh, future where you've got flying cars and cool technology? I was all for it. And I guess it's trying to be grittier than Blade Runner and less atmospheric maybe than Blade Runner, more like an action um, version, uh, almost like uh, an Arnold Schwarzenegger film. Do you ever see like The Sixth Day, for example? Right, yeah, dot you. I got exactly what you mean. A little you know, bit sillier. Blade Runner, yeah. less slow and ponderous, less origami and more Exactly, guns. more quick decisions. And they threw in a murder mystery as well. They had uh, a really cool um, a police officer, Martha Higueredas, that is. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. She's a Mexican cop, uh, goes by Kristen Ortega in the film. And she joins in with the main character, Takeshi Kovac, who's essentially a super spy. The sort of origin stories of him are almost meaningless because they're different in the book from the film. And in the film, they don't really make any sense other than to provide a kind of emotional backstory. But those two combine together to try and solve a murder mystery. And they are hired to do so by James Purefoy, who's playing a rich guy called Lawrence Bancroft who wants to understand who killed him, basically. So one of his bodies has been killed. He wants to know who's got it in for him and why Ah. they've got it in for him. And you know when I say James Purefoy, I hope you're hearing him say, are you fit to compete? Or (laughs) Exactly. Well done. Uh, The best role ever in A Knight's Tale. Look, I mean, that's a big jumble. Sorry, I haven't introduced it in the best way possible. The reality is you probably come across it. Maybe we ought to play a trailer as well. What do you think? Yeah, I think maybe that's a good idea. Give a a little flavour of it. Your body is not who you are. You shed it like a snake sheds its skin. You transfer the human consciousness between bodies to live eternal life. How long have I been down? 250 years. You are the property of Bancroft Industries. You've been provided with this body came equipped with military-grade Neurochem and combat muscle memory. Mr. Kovac, I didn't ask you to bring me back into this world. All I ask of you is that you solve a murder. Whose? Mine. 
Enemies, people with opportunity and motive. You can't trust anybody. We don't solve this quickly enough. I'll erase you. Hey, Lieutenant. You know, saving your ass is not my only job. I like her. I enjoyed the first season overall. I'm going to say a lot of that, and I know you're going to disagree with me straight away here, Phil, is down to Joel Kinnaman's performance, the central guy here, who is an odd-looking... Yeah, Phil's doing a neck symbol here. He's an odd-looking guy, but he fulfills the requirement very well. He looks tough, he looks competent, but he looks confused (laughs) basically all the time. Because not only is he trying to solve a mystery, he's also confused about himself and kind of who he is because you discover that he was a kind of elite soldier turned rebel. And now he's the last of this kind of special elite rebel spy unit left. And he's a sort of odd jobs guy now. He gets hired by people who need him to do something. But, you know, the fact that he was a rebel clearly indicates he's got some kind of moral integrity left, which you can imagine is quite hard to do in this weird, never-ending world. Does he have? But, does he know who he is? I think so. It's actually a while ago since I saw season one. Yeah, he know, he has an idea of who he is. He's got links with his past, and those people pop up every now and again. Um, but I think he's also sort of confused and piecing together bits of his history. A lot of that's to with his uh, his sister, who ends up playing quite a big part in the first series, who he thinks has died years ago. I think, um, but then <clears throat> but then he eventually discovers that she hasn't. But her life path has gone off very differently from his. So there's a bit of who am I really? What am I really about? Um. The thing, the big but for me is, I think I'm going to say that I think all of these cyberpunky dystopian worlds eventually make you feel sad and miserable, and because what they try to do is throw as much sort of grimness at you as quickly as possible, so you think, wow, this is probably dealing with something really like interesting, and then eventually what you realise is the ideas aren't that interesting really. They just have to be clothed in grimness to make you think that they are interesting. I actually make it have dark a very... and gritty, and then that's synonymous with adult and mature. Exactly. Yeah. And so what it will bring in, ultimately, despite the fact that it's rated 18, is all these 15-year-olds who will think they're watching something brilliant. I almost think 18 is now a marketing tool more than it is actually mm. anything relevant because there really isn't enough here to enjoy. There's a lot of nudity. There's a lot of violence, very unpleasant violence. There's some really horrible ideas about how bodies are being used and sort of evil things that people get up to if they have enough money. But you've heard all this before, right? Oh, the rich just get richer. They do what they want and don't care. What? I mean, like Charles Flippin Dickens wrote that. You didn't need cyberpunk. <laughs> do you know what I mean? To do it. Instead, it just gets really horrible and it leaves you with this like feeling that you need to wash yourself off because there's so many awful things. I have a very similar reaction um, to a, a book series. Have you seen LA Confidential? I have seen LA Confidential, yeah. Really good film, actually. I, I prefer film. the film to the book massively because if you read the books, uh, James Elroy is the guy. If you read his novels, I, I wish I did because I was so enthralled by LA Confidential. I thought it was great. They are horrible to read because everyone is involved in awful things all the time. And he's trying to paint this version of LA. It's like, wow, the 50s, that was clean cut, wasn't it? Well, just look beneath the surface and look at all the wood lice or whatever that creep out. And you think, well, okay. (laughs) It just makes me feel tired. So I ultimately felt that way with Altered Carbon Series 1, but the mystery was enough to keep me gripped. So overall, I did enjoy it. Very strong performances. And I kind of want to just say, in a one-line review that uh, Altered Carbon Series 2 had none of that. It had none of anything. 
It actually didn't even have any grimness. It had no grimness. It had no real mystery. Didn't even have the same actors. They got Anthony Mackie in instead of Joel Kinnaman. It's so boring and disjointed and meandering. There's nothing left of the original. And quite clearly, they've wandered totally away from the original book series as well. And therefore, it's no surprise that Netflix cancelled it, even though they were thinking about Altered Carbon Series 3. It's been cancelled. If you go onto IMDb and look at the rating, Season 2 suffers massively. First series gets eights from all those 15-year-olds. And then uh, season two, no one's happy anymore. There's not, not, even, <laughs> not even enough nudity to get an eight anymore. It's just a six because it's boring and confusing. So you're saying avoid it altogether? I think, know what you're getting yourself into. I think season one is enjoyable, but quite unpleasant. And there's lots of that, lots of violence, lots of nudity, lots of just unpleasant ideas. But it is quite mysterious. You just have to kind of try and ignore the flashbacks and the slightly pointless rebel rebellion subplot they throw in, focus on the murder mystery, and you'll probably have a good time in a sad way. Sounds like one maybe to miss. I, I mean, I watched the first episode and it, it didn't click with me. Um, for Do you agree for... with my sort of over-the-top statements on it? Yeah, I think it was sort of... I It frustrates me because I, th- I do think you can tell interesting stories with these high-concept stuff. But I agree with you. Often they make it really dark and grim and horrible. It's sort of what turned me off actually to Blade Runner, the first film, because I thought it's just so horrible and gritty and miserable that why would you want to spend more time there? I don't really know. Um, People love it. There's a whole genre of fantasy called grim dark, and oh gosh, you know I'm not I'm not trying to cast. A Did spe- they come yeah, up with the name? I <laughs> know exactly. What two like cool words? Grim and dark. Grim dark. Um, I'm not trying to cast aspersions on the people who like this stuff because yeah, people can like it for all sorts of reasons. But it is just set dressing on ordinary stories, and you're convincing yourself it's more meaningful than it is because there's horrible things in it and. That's my feeling on it overall. Well, there you go. Maybe one to miss. Have you seen Alter Carbon? Would you like to challenge Laurie on his opinion? You can do so. We take on those emails just as much as the positive ones that agree with us. So email us at flixandfilm at gmail.com or at flixandfilm on Twitter. Do let us yes. know what you thought of Altered Carbon. Has Laurie altered your opinion of it? Yeah, well done, Phil. I just want to throw in a one-line thing here. I did also watch a strange Japanese-language animated film set in the Altered Carbon universe starring Takeshi Kovach, but he just goes on a sort of one-off mission for a mob boss. I think it's called Altered Carbon Resleeved. I did think it was better because it wasn't tied into this nonsense rebellion subplot. It was just kind of a straightforward tale set in a universe. So if you're interested in more after season one, I'm tempted to give, uh, say give that one a go instead. There you go. Laurie, I feel like we've been quite um, down. Unfortunately, some of the things we've got to review have not been up to snuff, up to quality. And speaking of things that have not been up to snuff or quality, <laughs> I had a go at cutting my one and a half year old son's hair for the first time. Did you indeed? And what was your uh, tool? I, I take it scissors rather than like a razor. <laughs> well, I thought about it carefully. I'm thinking he's bobbing his head. He's like Muhammad Ali, duck and weave, duck and yeah, weave. Yeah. And so I thought, aha, I'll beat him at his own game. I'll use something which cuts for me. And so I went with the clippers with a, the, the big guard on it. I bought those clippers ages ago when I was thinking my hair's falling out. So I'm just going to get used you to shaving go it. for the clippers. Yeah. So I went with the clippers and I thought, go nice and long. My wife was not happy about it. She was like, Phil, no, he's, gonna, he's got lovely, beautiful hair. But he was getting a full on sort of mullet, uh, yeah, yeah. flowy mullet that we just thought it was just getting a little bit too much, just a little bit. So I thought, let's just give it a go. Just give it a little snip, snip, snip. Um, but first of all, he was not a fan of the, the clippers at all. He did not like the clippers. I, I wasn't very good at getting the angle right. You have to kind of do a, 
a sort of bendy motion yeah, to kind I'm of lift. Yeah, I'm went for that. Lift and pull the hair. And it's not easy, especially because he was like, what are you doing behind me? What, what, what's that? What's that? Uh, he could not keep his eyes focused <laughs> on Dougie. And so he was not happy. He was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And whichever one was not holding the clippers, he would just run to. Uh, we, we had him in the high chair, but he sort of leaned into us trying to get away from the buzz. Um, he wasn't he wasn't distressed, but he just wasn't a fan of the, clip, the, the, the clipper buzz. And so we thought, OK, well, let's just power on with some some scissors. So the scissors came out and we were what was funny was that both of us didn't know what we were doing. We sort of took it in turns and uh, we were basically were just copying the hairdressing thing where they get the two fingers and lift and just, you know, just eyeballing yeah, yeah. It like that. Yeah, the classic. And then that wasn't so bad. We were doing quite conservative things. And then it came to the ears. And then I realised that's where you have to be very, very careful because... Oh, no. You, I know, did you nip it? I, no, I did not nip it. But I know for a fact, our mum used to cut our oldest brother's hair and then she cut his ear and she vowed never to touch scissors again. Really? Is that how it, it yeah. was? I didn't yeah. know that. She cut um, our oldest brother's hair, uh, hair and snipped his ear a bit. And so she said never again. Oh. Um, and so I was very, very conscious of this as I did it. But I thought I'll be really careful and you know, keep a good distance. Little did I know that I was actually sort of making quite a trendy German sort of style haircut and nice. uh, going very above the ear and making a very straight line. So much so that now he looks quite like um Football like uh, Ralph. No, it's like Ralph from um, Sound of Music. You know? Oh, really? Just sort of very, <laughs> very Aryan, to be honest, which is oh, not wow. the good look at all. He's got the light kind of hair, to be fair. That's exactly, true, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, of course, you do it on one side, you have to do it on the other. And so <laughs> then I had to do the other side, which was even worse. And so he's just got either a very stylish one or a very, very just... you. You've cut the hair yourself, haven't you? Look, and I'm, I I'm, think... <laughs> I'm dreading nursery because I'm going to have to show my son to them and be like... Yeah, I had a cut cutting his hair. It's a bit embarrassing. Well, I promise you, man, probably people won't notice as much as you think. And they'll respect you for having at least had a go at it. That's my overwhelming feeling because, like, it is a hard thing to do. On the whole, though, a slightly not great uh, haircut is better than that kind of weird long hair that young kids get. And I'm saying this again because my <laughs> kids have had it, where it's it's obviously grown at different points in their life. Wispy, wispy. Exactly, so you get a wisp from the top and then this under, like, so I, I think you should be pleased with it. Have you not, um, have you tried to cut your own hair or not? I have done bits and bobs here and there. I generally have found that I'm not good at it or confident at it. I think even the clippers, I, every time I've thought about getting them out to do it myself, I've I've sort of chickened out and then eventually ah. waited till I could go to the barbers. You've done the whole shebang, though. Yeah, yeah, you? yeah. No, that's the secret to it. If you you know go for it. I I cut my own hair regularly, and you know since the pandemic, unless you're a footballer, no one's cutting your hair but yourself. <laughs> like uh, and uh, and you what you'll realise with that is you do need the scissors around the ears. The razor's not going to cut it, no matter how good your clippers are, because despite how nervous you might be about it, you're much less likely uh, to end up with, <laughs> with the kind of situation you described uh, if you do that. And you know. Push comes to shove, mate. Just get it all off. <laughs> I'm not going to do that with my son. I'm not having him be baldy locks. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh... He's barely got any as it is. He's kind of got it all in the wrong places. So I need to sort of try to even it out. But I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not sure I suit. I, I'm always worried that I haven't got the right head for it. You know, even when I've done it a couple of times, I'm still that, waiting that's for that why time. why you do it, to discover you, what that you head learn, looks like. You've got that sort of weird egg, yeah. egg top. Jude, uh, Jude tells me that I don't suit it. She doesn't like it when I shave my head. Uh, I, I, <laughs> How do you I, feel about I, that? 
<laughs> well, it makes me a little sad because sooner or later it's going to go, isn't it? And I'm going to be stuck with that head. And so is she. <laughs> She's in sickness and in health and in both Exactly, heads. yeah, yeah, exactly right. But I think you should be applauded, Phil. Well done for saving your son and giving him uh, what will probably be the cool hairdo that everyone will be wearing next month. <laughs> so. We shall see. We shall see. Phil, I want to talk to you about Away. Now, Gene and I have got a massively long Netflix list. And as you have mockingly said, quite a few of them are not in the English language. I'd love to talk to you about Miss Aang and Itaewon Class and maybe even Kantaro, the sweet tooth salary man. Uh, Strong girl Bong Bong Soon, I think her name is. There's so many cool shows I can tell you about. Instead, I'm going to be like my wife and I were when we decided to watch this. Too tired. Too tired to to, to handle subtitles. Too tired to talk about subtitles and names I can't really pronounce. We decided to watch a show called Away, which is actually only very recently made for Netflix. It's already had its second series cancelled. Um, there's some debate about whether that's partly because of shooting and COVID is extremely difficult. May have something more to do with it. It cost a reported $6 million per episode to make. Uh, this is a show about a team of astronauts making the debut journey to Mars to land on Mars and prove that uh, plants can be grown there and that it might be possible to set up a colony there. They have to do a refueling stop on the moon. <laughs> and it's Hilary Swank who is the boss. Um, I quite enjoyed Away, actually. Jude and I quite looked forward to it. And even though episodes are over 40 minutes, we did, you know, watch a couple in a row, which is quite rare for us, really. We just get tired and have to go to bed, <laughs> have to go to bed so often these days. Um, but the acting, the performances, I think draw you in in such a way that you do want to know how these um, characters develop, how they get on as a team, what kind of problems they're going to have to overcome on their way to Mars. Um, But there are a few problems with it as well. Uh, Let's hear a trailer first. I got you a present. That's the Earth, the Moon, and Mars. And the string is me making my way back to you. So just remember, the further away I get, I'm actually getting closer to being back to you. The only thing I've ever known for sure in my life is that I wanted to be on the first mission to Mars. It's only three years. Okay, I guess I won't miss you. I'll be right back. Guess I hold Mumbai. I'm just 20 million miles from the people she loves. She needs to know that her family's taken care of. I got a cover. Do you? They need me more than anyone, and I'm not there. You think you're the only one haunted by the sacrifices you made to get here? This is my mother. You can only imagine what you're going through up there. Wait! Houston, we have a situation. What happened? She froze. I didn't come here to fail. I look that way. You're looking in the wrong direction. You have to trust me. We're all scared, but it's about having faith in each other. Whatever comes next, we can take it on together. Yeah, so I don't know whether you could tell from that or not, but the key thing to say about Away is that although it is a show about people going to Mars and wearing spacesuits and being in a rocket and it's a little bit in the future... It's not really a sci-fi or a space program. It is 100% a domestic drama, okay? And I don't know whether that immediately puts you off, Phil. Are you into your dramas, your interpersonal you relationships? you saying it's a basically a workplace drama? N- not even really that. To be honest, it's a bit more family than that. It is 100% about Hilary Swank 
uh, who's playing Emma. She's the commander of this mission. There's a question right at the beginning in the press conference, you know, are you guys worried about this person leading you because she's not as experienced as some of you? It's all about can she handle it as the boss and how is she going to deal with leaving her family for three years? Because that's how long the mission is. Uh, She's got a teenage daughter Uh, She's got a husband who was also an astronaut but got diagnosed with something called CCM so that he has a cavernoma in his brain, which means he can't go to space. And she's got to leave him behind with all that going on. And to be honest, actually, that kind of sold it to me. I was kind of intrigued to see a kind of leadership family drama. How is she going to be a mum from space? Great scene where she calls a doctor and she's like, I'm calling from the moon. I'm on the moon. (laughs) It's a really good little moment. Um, I wanted to know how she handled that. I also wanted to see how the mission would develop. And I was curious to know about how the family would handle having their mum vanish into space for three years. Because on one hand, they celebrate her, right? Because she's achieved so much and they want her to be this woman on Mars so they can say, my mum's on Mars, you know. But also they're going to have to lose their mum for three years. And with a teenage daughter, that's quite a, you know, a big uh, moment for your mum to be around or to not be around. But I mean, they threw everything but the kitchen sink at this show. Like, I want to imagine, Phil, a family drama moment. Imagine a crisis. Do it for me. Um, like as in what, what a daughter might say to No, anything. Parents. Just imagine a, in a family what's something that could happen that could go wrong. Um, one of them has fallen out of a tree and broken their arm. Pretty close. Uh, how about has a stroke and uh, oh. has to go to, for physiotherapy <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stop you there. A stroke and break your yeah. arm are not the same thing. No, but my point is an accident that requires treatment, right? Okay, right, yeah, right, okay, right. carry on. So it's in there. Give me another one. Uh, maybe there's a crisis because daughter is dating someone. Uh, yeah, in or... there, in there. Come okay. on, you, need, you don't need to be so specific. Just any, da- any dramatic dad, moment. Dad loses job or Yeah, job that's threatened? in there as well. That's pretty much in there too. <laughs> yeah, keep going, keep going. Um... A possible affair at some yeah, point. Yeah, that's in there. They hinted that as well. That's in there. Yeah, on both counts. Come give, give me some more. Um, maybe you're you're having an argument, but you don't have the time to finish the argument, and then one hundred percent in there. <laughs> Email communications in space. Yes, <laughs> carry on. Give me one. I'm loving this. Uh, is maybe there a, couple of a piece of drama that is not in this show? Say that again. Yeah, ultimatum. Absolutely, an ultimatum. A decision that could affect the over the entire mission. You must come home now, or else exactly. I will leave you. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. And, and come on, give me one more. It's a fun game. There's only ten is, episodes in this. Is show. there a moment where the dad is sharing like a performance that the daughter's done, and mum's missed it? Now that one. Uh, no, there isn't. Well done, Phil. Okay, so oh. she hasn't... I mean, there is still... There's something approaching that, but it's more linked to relationships. Well done. Okay, now quickly, give me a workplace <laughs> crisis. Oh, no. Okay. Um, um, There's somebody on the team that is offended another person, but they have to work together, and they're the yeah, only well people... Yeah, well done. Okay. Yeah, that's 100% in there. Give me some more. Somebody doesn't... Is challenging the authority of the boss. Yes, and, yes, it's okay. in there. Next one, next one. The company hasn't supplied the right things for them to do something. I suppose and, I wouldn't say exactly that, but yes, their problems are out of their hands. Absolutely, one hundred percent. What else would a company do? There's one thing you haven't you haven't put in here, which is illness. Okay, okay. you know, staff sickness. There's quite a big deal about <laughs> somebody taking sick, sick day, sick in a spaceship. <laughs> Look, I mean, okay, we'll stop. The they game phoned now. in on the on the shuttle and say, oh, "I'm sorry, I'm not going to work today. I'm just, I'm just," and they're just in their Mo- cabin it's having almost, a great time. Almost like that. Um, look, okay, <laughs> I'm going to put the buzzer away. Well done. That's very top marks. You get the point. This show, it's the only thing that isn't really in there 
is like running a space mission to Mars. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Instead, like instead, it's every conceivable personal and professional problem that you can think of is in this show, and it is dealt with to in one hundred percent. Like it's funny when I. It originally started watching this show one, you know, we had a real go at Bridgerton and I was angry at it because it's like this, the person at the center of Bridgerton doesn't do anything, but They're everyone just is obsessed special. with them. Yeah. yeah. This is the total opposite of that because everyone is interested in Hilary Swank's character because she's the leader of a mission, the first ever mission to Mars. Like, so it makes perfect sense that people care about everything that she's doing, <laughs> but it kind of throws that away too soon. And you don't really get a sense of how she holds her team together and delivers an inspiring leadership stuff. Instead, it's just like there's so much at home on Earth with dad who ends up in a wheelchair and like daughter and boyfriend. And there's just so much that and, and then her not being able to handle it emotionally in this space rocket on the way to Mars. But what I really wanted to see was here's how she brings her team together, overcomes technical and sort of interesting problems uh, through ingenuity and grit and proves her like worth as a leader you kind of end up with the opposite opinion by the end of the show because there's just too much the show can't resist being a magnet for every kind of drama you can imagine and they really had an opportunity to do the opposite so i wonder whether that's why netflix pulled the plug along with the massive cost is that people were tuning in because rightly they thought this is a show about going to space. <laughs> this is a show about, oh, I wonder how they'll overcome the problems of going to Mars. And they do touch on that, right? Like astronauts maybe losing their eyesight, uh, which is real, like space blindness is a thing, or solar panels not properly unfolding. So having to do spacewalks, having to deal with water systems not working the way they should. That's in there, but it's all sub um, secondary to the personal and emotional things that are going on. And uh, so by the end of it, it's a bit annoying because... Well, I won't tell you what happens if you're going to watch it. It's not satisfying. You, the arc isn't fully formed. It comes to an abrupt end and you're left wanting to think, well, hang on a minute. It's not over. I still need to understand what's going to happen here. So I don't know. I think it, it's worth a go. See what you think about it. It's certainly engrossing. And I'll say but, it again. I think the performances <laughs> are great. Is it, <laughs> you said this is cancelled already. Season two is cancelled. Yeah, and you've over, already yeah. said by the end of season one, you're left unsatisfied. And That's you how I know. felt. <laughs> I was unsatisfied. Doesn't mean everyone will be. Look, because I want to say it's worth watching because I think Hilary Swank is brilliant, actually. I really like Hilary Swank. She's got a very interesting sort of screen presence that I think is kind of unique. And she's very well cast for the role. I just don't think her character ended up being very well written towards the end. And then Josh Charles. I bet you that's a name you don't recognise, but he's is probably a facial recognised. He's like the handsomest, not handsome guy <laughs> uh, that you, uh, you've seen. He does a good job as her sort of... Uh, emotionally uh, stable but troubled husband. I I quite recommend it. Okay. But be prepared to be a bit disappointed and just set your sort of drama tolerance level pretty high. Well, there we go. There's uh, some reviews, some recommendations, I guess. Uh, Can we call them recommendations? I'm not sure. Well, yeah. I mean, I said watch away. I didn't say don't watch Altered Carbon. I just think know what it is, you know. And some people definitely like that stuff more than me. (laughs) not, Not recommendations, more like uh, little litmus tests on whether or not Just you might talking. enjoy these things. Us talking, talking, talking. talking. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, some some jokes and laughs on the way. Uh, if you have seen or want to see or decide to watch as a result of listening to us, any of those things, Wonder Woman 84, Away, Altered Carbon, or giving your child a haircut during lockdown, <laughs> do let us know. Email us at flicksandfilm at gmail.com or you can tweet us at flicksandfilm. That's the one. Phil, I've got a couple of bonuses for you, quite sure. Uh, number Hit one me. here is this is I'm sort of just throwing this at you because I don't know what to do with it. It's just a phrase, really. 
Vin Diesel emissions. <laughs> because I read something about that, diesel that's emissions. That's got some horrible, horrible I know, pictures. right. And I was just thinking, what can we do with Vin Diesel emissions? It's got to be something. It's got to be some jokes. I think we just have Vin Diesel's head coming out of the end of a car. That's a good <laughs> idea. A Vin Diesel just emission. Do that. That, that, I'm just trying that, to cut down on my diesel beam. emissions. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Cut, cut down on my Vin Diesel emissions. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that, that, that's the end of that one. Uh, and then I wanted to say, you know, um, my kids are watching the Charlie Brown and Snoopy movie quite recently. And I don't know whether you have seen this. It's the 3D one. Surprisingly decent. It's kind yeah. of vignettes, but there is an overall story about Charlie Brown and the little redhead girl. But the main thing was it's on Blu-ray. When I press pause so that we can eat, um, it came up with a customized play bar. So when you press it, rather than just the system play bar, which shows you how much is left, it was this cartoon one in sort of Charlie Brown and Snoopy style. I know wow. you're making that. You're making a face like what? Can they do this magic? <laughs> and I'm thinking like, yes, they can. And it looked really good. And I found myself thinking, wow, the world of DVDs is a world of missed opportunities because imagine how much more customization that could have been done this I mean, is the not this games because the, the games on dvds are terrible and depressing <laughs> but yes what's the thing well the thing is is that blu-rays are amazing and top quality and brilliant and uh were the future of films and stuff and then uh, it all became streaming and just watching it on your phone or just renting it. But I think it. it's because they didn't nail it. They didn't nail the extra options. They're too busy putting films in stupid metal tins when what they should have been doing <laughs> is actually making amazing experiences. The DVD, the Blu-ray itself should have been the experience. And I think also the other thing that turned people off is they do take a long time to load. I'll give them that. Like <laughs> starting and stopping takes a long time. And this is on a PlayStation 4, right? It should be, should be handling that. should be snappy. It was a missed opportunity. I make, it makes me think about, you know, if we ever released a DVD, <laughs> what kind of customization options uh, we could do. Like you could kind of have, uh, instead of a, a cartoonified play by, you could have one of us with like a really long arm that reaches all the way to the end. Do you know what I mean? Or you could be pushing the other way. I think that'd be kind of funny. Kind of like a push and pull type thing. Yeah. And like, um, and you could have had with Harry Potter, you could have had, uh, whatchamacallit, what do they call it when their magic uh, lines meet wands? Oh, the meeting of the wands. What's it called again? There's a word for it. I can't remember. And there's the, the like, bit where funny... they make a special fountain and all of the stuff comes out of the wand. That's right. And Harry has to go harder than Voldemort goes to see where the like the ball of light ends up. That could have been a great play bar for the Harry Potter Blu-ray. If you could do a game where you just have to press the buttons as fast as you can to see exactly. which way the ball goes. Oh, so many opportunities. Blu-ray people, you've lost it. Blu-ray is going to die. We all know it. And look at what you could have had. There you go. That's it. Bye, listeners. Bye.